Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. Welcome indeed. It is your Thursday Rush Hour. I am James Golden, Boston Early with you. 800-848-WABC is the number. If you would like to be on our program today, 800-848-WABC, 848-9222. It was how many years ago, Rich, that uh, 40 years ago? 40 years ago, you betcha. I know exactly where I was. Oh, you do? I don't. Yeah, it was one of the few days that I stopped, I skipped work ever in my life. I wanted to see that movie on the day it was released. So I used the vacation day, skipped work, went to the movie theater with someone, and um, who shall remain nameless, and we watched the return of the Jedi, the Ewoks, and uh, all that good stuff. That's right. 40 years ago. Time flies when you're having fun. Or not. Um, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you this. And I'm going to and, and tell Avery to get his mic ready because I have to ask him a question too. And Scott, I'm going to ask you the same question. I'm going to give you plenty of time to think about it. So here's the question. And this is a prelude for what is going to take place on Saturday when we have our uh, Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Not this question, but a similar question will be for Saturday. Uh, Rich, what is your love language? Don't look dumbfounded. Huh? What is your love language? Uh, I would guess. What uh, is this? Some I sort mean, of trick I mean, question? You, no, it's not a trick question. What is your love language? Uh, I guess I would. I don't English. Okay, thank you. I just wanted to get some answers here. Uh, Scott, what is your love language? Are we t- just picking one? Uh, you could have many. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, there are many, but I mean, the, the biggest is probably touch. Touch. That oh, okay. One of those answers. No, it doesn't have to well, be. I'm assuming you're talking about the book in the in the. Like, I've the never lecture, read the book. The but lecture I, series. I oh, there's a lecture series oh, yeah. with the book too. Absolutely. Did you have to take the course? I haven't gone to it yet, but uh, my wife wants to attend. Oh my. Ooh. I mean, oh, that's nice. Avery, what? You brought it up. I know, because (laughs) it was brought up to me, so I'm just passing it along. Uh, Avery, what is your love language? Um. Um. I guess, what, truth? Truth? Yeah, the truth. The truth. Yeah. Scott, is that a love language? I, I don't believe so. I can't name them all, but no, I don't think that's one. What are the options? Oh. I can't remember. There's like seven of them. Five. I, five. There's five of them. Five of them. I was going to say money. Money. I don't think that's oh, that's a good one, too. I like that one. Gifts. Gifts is one. Buy a lot of love with money. Gifts, gifts is one. Yeah. I was going to say we have I, a young I, lady in the room. Uh, is she ready to debut? We have We have a young lady. We can ask her. She's smiling so far. Come introduce yourself to the audience. 
and and tell us what your love language is, my dear. And um, let I'm just this is we are gonna yes we're gonna get to news, we always do. But this is a pressing question, and we're gonna answer ask for something. So tell us about yourself. What is your name? Hello, I'm Ava. Hi, Ava. Hello. Ava. How are you? What is? I'm good. Ava, what's your love language? I'm gonna go with carbs. Right. Like carbs? the macro. Pasta. It's a you know that kind of thing. Oh, carbs, <laughs> carbs, carbs is your love. I I like the carbs is her love language. I like it. So someone brings you carbs. That's your love language. Okay. Yep. Oh, I get this now. I'm going to have to change my answer. I'm going to think about this and come back to you. Well, okay. I, I want to know answers. And, and then, um, and Scott, you apparently, you said your wife is, you, you read the book, Scott? No, I haven't read the book. I just, I just know about it. Yeah. Lisa, we need to book this, whoever this person is that wrote this book. Um, okay. Just checking. All right, so in the news, moving on from that, we're going to deal with that more on Saturday. Thank you, Ava. Everybody's love. If you if you know what your love language is, though, you can get an early start and call us today. So where do we start? Do we start with the FBI, the still corrupt FBI? By the way, little housekeeping. On June eighth of this year. The former president of the United States of America, Donald J. Trump, will join us here on Boston Early's Rush Hour. So that's one. Just put a little mark on your calendar. Remember, we'll talk about it between now and then. My hope is that by the time we go through the political season, we will have heard from all of the candidates. All of the major candidates, including Larry Elder. Larry Elder's running, and I don't see him his name being mentioned with the others. So we have already reached out to some, including Governor DeSantis, who announced last night. Now, there was a lot of, how shall we say, bad press about the DeSantis launch because the Twitter space that he was on, the Twitter spaces, had a meltdown. And so there were a lot of people that called it a failure. They were just It just means that there were so many people trying to get through that they melted the servers down. They, it, it was, so it may have been unfortunate, but that's not DeSantis' fault. That is, you know, Twitter didn't have enough bandwidth, which is pretty remarkable because of the number of concurrent users that are on that site anyway. So... I don't know how many of you were on Twitter and saw the announcement. He's supposed to be doing an interview with Trey Gowdy, and Fox is already gloating that they're not going to shut down when DeSantis is on. So there's that. Um, But between now and the primary season underway, we hope to bring you all of the presidential candidates, every one of them, including... We're reaching out to Chris Christie. We're reaching out to Nikki Haley. We're reaching out to Vice President Pence. All of them. We want to hear from all of them. And we want you to hear from all of them. My question for many of you is a simple one today. And this is something that I'm worried about. You may not be worried about it. I worry 
that the primary season for the for the Republicans is going to be so divisive that it will hurt whoever the nominee is in the election season. And I don't want to see that happen. I wish, and but this is an idealized sort of point. It is not going to happen. I wish that the candidates would focus more on what the Biden administration has done to America rather than on trying to tear each other down. But that process is underway already. I think the big issue is Joe Biden. And I will be totally frank with you. I love President Trump. I love Ron DeSantis. Both. I love both of those guys. And I really hope that this race doesn't tear either one of them apart. But that's wishful thinking. It's going to be a spirited campaign, and it is potentially going to be a very acrimonious campaign. Tim Scott, who we're also reaching out to, has gotten favorable press. So far, Tim Scott, and I'm surprised by this, Tim Scott has gotten the most favorable press of any of the Republican candidates. Now, of course, you had the view bigots, Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg and others trying to make their racialized attacks on Tim Scott because he is a black man that doesn't agree with the liberal ideology. But that's to be expected. That was as bad as I've seen any of the press react to Tim Scott's decision. There is a story today that many people that support Donald Trump actually are welcoming Tim Scott into the race. And they're not attacking him, as opposed to attacking other Republicans. So we shall see where all of that goes. The Supreme Court has weighed in on Joe Biden's EPA and wetlands. That's something that is kind of a second-tier story, but it is an important story. So hopefully between now and the end of the weekend, we'll be able to spend a few minutes with that. One of the other stories that I found a little bit troubling is the sentencing of Stuart Rhodes. He he is the founder of the Oath Keepers. A federal judge has sentenced him to 18 years in prison. For plotting, they say, to forcibly prevent the peaceful transfer of presidential power. It is a seditious conspiracy case against him. And so far, he has received the harshest punishment of anyone involved in January 6th. Now, I've said before, and I will say it again, anyone involved in the rioting on January 6th should be punished. But my problem with it isn't so much that he was sentenced to 18 years in prison. 
My problem is who isn't sent to prison at all in some cases for what they've done with governmental power. Think of Hillary Clinton for a minute. There's no question that Hillary Clinton has mishandled classified documents. The FBI let her go. James Comey said, oh, she didn't mean it. And that's the rationale. The same James Comey, by the way, who refused to, absolutely refused to cooperate with the Durham investigation. So Hillary Clinton was never subjected to the kind of legal machinations that the liberals in this country are lining up to throw at Donald Trump. Think about who else hasn't seen the inside of a jail cell, despite what they've done. We've got members of Congress who, from appearances, have been involved in insider trading. They've become millionaires in some cases, or they have completely taken advantage of their position, appearances suggest, to become very wealthy on stocks where they have knowledge that the public doesn't have. That knowledge is what legislation is coming up that could affect those stocks. We don't see any of them not only not indicted, not only not investigated, but they won't see the inside of a prison cell. We have Antifa, who for months on end held Portland, Oregon hostage with riots, some of it directed at government offices. Many of those members of Antifa have never been brought to justice, do not face charges. The same goes for other leftist radicals in Seattle, where the riots went on and on. In this country, we also have people that have led banks and to almost shudder before the federal government came in and bailed them out. None of these people will ever be held to account for malfeasance of any kind. In every major city, including New York, we have murderers, convicted murderers, or people accused of murder or other heinous crimes, that thanks to these Soros-backed district attorneys managed to either post bail or bond They're walking the streets when they should be behind bars. Leftists don't care about that one bit. Yet here is this guy, and this guy is, you may consider him to be a kook, but he's not a dumb guy. This guy was in the military and also is a graduate of Yale University. He was defiant. He is a Yale Law School graduate and a former Army paratrooper. He founded the far-right Oath Keepers 
This is the story in the Wall Street Journal today. In 2009, sought members with military or law enforcement backgrounds. The group says its members are loyal to the U.S. Constitution rather than to any government leader. In 2013, he said he wanted to see a restoration of the militia in this country. November, convicted of seditious conspiracy. Alongside another Oath Keeper member, Kelly Meggs, 54 years old, who is going to be sentenced later today if he hasn't been sentenced already. But the sentence, 18 years, 18 years in jail for the January 6th riots, where the only person killed was Ashley Babbitt, and she wasn't killed by any of these people. She was killed by a law enforcement officer. 18 years. Now, you contrast that 18 years to what's happening on a daily basis in New York where we see offenders, re-offenders, released, 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 until they finally do something so egregious that even the uber-liberal judges or uber-liberal prosecutors here say, oh, no, you got to go to jail for a little while. Cool your heels. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, 800-848-WABC. It's our Thursday rush hour. We're going to be taking your calls as the program proceeds. So please keep it right here on WABC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush, 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 rush. Simon and Garfunkel bring us back on WABC Talk Radio 77. Book ends. When number one, that was the uh, album, right? That was released from Simon and Garfunkel, This Day in History, Music History. Do you know what year that was? 68. Wow. Always one of my favorites. Have you seen them? You're too young, I bet. And Way too young. not a pejorative. Have you seen the movie that this was the soundtrack. Oh, yeah, of course. 1969, yes. Yeah, the so. Graduate. You yep. saw it, yes. Mm-hmm. Scott, did you see The Graduate? I did. I really didn't enjoy it, though. 
why not? You thought I don't it was... know. I just got bored. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I need to watch it again. No, maybe you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Avery, have you seen The Graduate, the movie that this uh, Simon and Garfunkel thing? Uh... Yeah. Did you like The Graduate? Yeah, it was good. What did you like about it? You know what I liked about it. You just want me to say it. I want you to say it. What did you like about it? Uh, I like the love story. The love story between this young graduate yeah. and the older woman. Yeah. It's mutually yeah. beneficial. Uh-huh. Okay. Ava, have you ever seen The Graduate? Gosh. I'm wondering. <laughs> Hello. Ava, whose love, whose love language is carbs. Yes. Ava, have you ever, did you see The Graduate? I did. And your thoughts? It's a little bit creepy, maybe. <laughs> creepy? <laughs> oh, what yeah. did you find creepy about it? Well, I don't know. I guess, isn't he like, he graduated, so he's like a kid, right? <laughs> yeah, he's like a kid. Well, you uh -huh. know, it could be a little bit creepy if you're underage and <laughs> that kind of thing. Well, I mean, we're assuming that he was maybe 17 or 18. Yeah. That's still kind okay. of underage. Assuming? Hey, li okay. like a kid is not a kid. <laughs> Actually, or like a kid? I don't know. So, But you didn't like the fact that the older, the cougar, I mean, the, the older woman <laughs> pounced on, on him. I, I mean, it was a good movie, you know. It was, it's it's but, been a while. I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, but it was creepy. To some degree, I think, yeah. Okay, cool. No, 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 it's okay. Hey, no wrong answers here. I appreciate it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so we have North Face now getting in the mix of these potential boycotts. Uh, there's a story in, you can find it at uh, the Daily BS today, dailybs.com, thedailybs.com. You can find the story, North Face Bucks Potential Boycott with Mind-Boggling Trans Campaign which is being called an abomination and an insult to reality. This is another one of those companies. Everyone's getting set for Pride Month. If you think it, that the latest with Target, and by the way, Target apparently has already lost a few billion dollars in market share off of their business with putting these, these Pride clothing lines for kids and others out. I don't know whether that's also reflected with their choice of a designer who apparently is an avowed Satanist. But, uh, okay, North Face now. They have an ad with some guy dressed up as a woman. And it's just, this is stuff is spreading all over the place. So I guess to be hip... Hey, look, a lot of companies think that if you go after that younger demographic, this is the right way to do it. But the backlash, and apparently there are some, there are some companies like Target, like North Face, and others who don't care about the backlash. So we'll see what happens. Meanwhile, Kohl's, Foot Locker, Target, Walmart, among the nation's largest real, uh, uh, real retailers, they say they are still feeling the effects of brazen retail theft, despite their best efforts to combat it. The issue, they say, is putting employee and customer safety at risk. It's also taking a, poll, a toll on the profits. 
and the experts, experts in retail, say that things are going to continue to get worse unless laws are enacted to better assist in the federal investigation and prosecution of organized retail crime. You don't have laws against organized retail crime? We do. When the laws are not working, Scott, we just need new laws. <laughs> oh, yes, we don't have laws. to enforce them. It's the them. law's fault. Yes. Right, it's the law. We need new laws. Mm-hmm. It's not, we're okay. not following the law, so we need new laws. That makes sense. Doesn't it? Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, we're not enforcing the laws. We're not. Did you see there's a video that went viral of woman, a woman from the Dollar General store? <laughs> you saw that no, video? No, I, did, I didn't. It's just when you say Dollar General. Well, I, look. I she, always chuckle. This woman gets in her van, mm-hmm. and she runs this guy. He's on a bicycle. She plows right into this guy. What, in the parking lot? or what? No, it, it happened outside of the store area. They ended up, she ended up uh, chasing him down in a residential neighborhood, and she they plow into somebody's driveway. She gets out. She is furious, and she starts taking all the stuff back that he stole. Meanwhile, he's cursing her out and telling her that, you know, that, that, that look, lots of people do this. In other words, he's. Why are you picking on me? Lots of people steal. Yeah, there really should be a law against that. Yeah, it would. It would help. It would. Yeah. Probably turn things around. And he says, "I need the money." So we need new laws. That won't be enforced, and then after that, we'll need even. We'll probably need, need more laws. More laws. Exactly right. Because thou shalt not steal is not enough. I mean, forget I feel, about I feel like that one's been a, been on the books for quite a while. That one has been on the books. The one thou shalt not yeah, steal. I, that, that, that one's yeah. I feel like yeah. that's been around for a while. Yeah, but that doesn't yeah. All right, James Golden, A.K.A. Boston Early here. It is Boston Early's Rush Hour. We are coming to your calls. Please stay where you are. Don't go away. I can't wait to speak with you. And we've got a lot more news. We're going to try to sneak in as well. Coming right back. Don't go anywhere. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snerdly. Rush. Now, here's Bo Snerdly. Robert Steinhardt's birthday was today. He died sadly in 2021. He is, was with the rock band Kansas. 1978, this was their number three. Charted up to number three in the American singles. I absolutely love this song. This is such a profound song. 
Kansas, Dust in the Wind. Let's head to the telephone, shall we? Paulie in Paramus, New Jersey. You're up first today on Boston and Early's Rush Hour. How are you, Paulie? Good, Bo. How are you doing? Good, I got a question. You. I'm really not mm-hmm. into politics or anything, but I'm getting a little worried. So I'm starting to listen, pay attention now. Why can't okay. DeSantos go for vice president? DeSantis. Well, DeSantis. This, is the way, this is the way that people do usually quote-unquote, as you put it, go for vice president. They run for president. Right, well, why don't they team up together? Well, because you you don't want to, look, let me, I don't know how how to explain this properly, I don't think, but I'll try. If you have the kind of ego, and I don't mean that in a pejorative way, if you have, most of us would never consider running for this office. We might like to play in our minds, oh, this is what I would do if I were president, this is what I would do. But most of us don't want to subject ourselves to what is an ugly process, and that is running for public office, let alone for the presidency, where you have all the scrutiny on you and your family. And every single area, Rush used to call it a political anal exam. And that's what, what it is. I mean, everything about your life is going to be uncovered, laid out there in the public, people criticizing every aspect of your life, especially if you're a Republican, not so much if you're a Democrat and they're trying to hide it like they did for Joe Biden at any for any means necessary. But as a Republican candidate, you're going to go through it. If you have that kind of ego, you honestly do think that you are the best suited person to run. Look at this diverse field that we have running right now on the Republican side. You got Chris Christie. Now, some people would say, Christie, you don't have a chance. Why are you doing it? Well, Chris Christie honestly thinks he does have a chance and that he's the best candidate for the job. You could say the same of Nikki Haley. Nikki, you don't have a chance. Oh, yes, I do. And she's going to tell you why she has a chance. And every other one of these people are strong-willed leaders. And so leaders do that. They lead. And I guarantee you not one of these people thinks, unless it's, um, well, not, I can't guarantee that not one, but most of these people think that they are electable, that they could be the president. And so they're not going to just say, I'm going to run for the vice presidency. Now, after it becomes apparent that the American people, or in this case, the Republican parties made their choice, then many of them might consider the vice presidency. Now, there are some people who may be in the race because if they get enough traction in the race, they might get picked as a vice president. There's also that angle. But for the most part, the people that are the front runners, like DeSantis, like 
Trump is the front runner right now. DeSantis, you would have to say, would be possibly in second place. But don't forget, we've got other strong candidates here. Despite the fact that Trump and Mike Pence had a falling out, and a lot of Trump's base is unhappy with Mike Pence, Mike is certainly a contender. Asa Hutchison, I don't know. Tim Scott has gotten a lot of favorable press so far. He may be the wild card in many of this, and he may end up, if he's not successful as a president, he may end up being someone's choice for vice president. But you could also see Nikki Haley being someone's choice if she doesn't succeed. So a lot of it has to do with the strength of their personalities. And that's why they're running for president. And that's why it's a bad idea for someone to just team up early on, too. You also, the choice of vice president used to also concern itself with the geographical needs of the nominee. For instance, if there's a nominee who's done particularly well in northern states, but not so much in southern states, you might need a southern vice president to balance out the ticket to appeal to southern voters or vice versa. If you have a strong candidate in the South, but their Northern appeal is not that great, or Western appeal, they need to find a a, a a vice president that can help campaign in those areas, that understands those regions. It's all about the numbers. And so that's why people don't team up and run as a pair. Because you really do have to, this is a very, very strategic uh, business, that of running for president. And the needs of the candidate, once they are nominated, will define who their best choice is for vice president. Great call, Paulie. Thank you for allowing me a, a chance to try to explain that. I hope I explained it properly and well enough to you. Uh, Jacqueline in Brooklyn, New York. Thank you for waiting. Jacqueline, how are you? James, I'm fine, thank you, on this beautiful day, and I hope you are as well. It's always nice to speak to you. Uh, I would like to make a comment regarding Paulie. He really should have been paying attention for the past seven years, but at least he's paying attention now. Um, and if I have accurately interpreted and I have read between the lines of what you just said, um, I think you may have said what my opinion is is that Tim Scott may wind up being President Trump's vice presidential pick, and I think that would be an outstanding move on his part. However, you posed the question, uh, do we think that this political uh, Republican campaign is going to be divisive? And my answer to that is no, and I'll tell you why. I think President Trump finally proved himself on that um, town hall debacle with that woman who attempted to tear him apart, and he proved himself to be very presidential. I think that's an indication of how he is going to conduct himself during these debates. Not only that, he doesn't need to engage in in that type of uh, politics and that divisiveness because he is the leader, and Ron DeSantis is so far in his rearview mirror, he doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell. And I don't think Mike Pence does either. The only one who has any possibility of getting near that White House, in my opinion, is Tim Scott. Mm. 
So you think Chris Christie, no chance. You think Vice President Pence, no chance. You think Asa Hutchinson, no chance. Uh, let's see. Nikki Haley, no chance. Rick DeSantis, you said no chance. Now, for his part, Rick DeSantis said... Who's, who's Rick DeSantis? I'm sorry, Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis said today... I don't know why he said Rick. Ron DeSantis said today that the, the polling numbers that we're seeing with Trump are like a sugar high. That as time goes on, people are going to come off those numbers, and he's in it for the long haul. Uh, but what you're saying, Jacqueline, long haul or not, you don't think that there's any other candidate that stands next to Donald Trump in terms of the ability to beat him. Is that what you're saying? And not hold a candle to him. Nikki Haley is a Benedict Arnold. Chris Christie is also a Benedict Arnold. President Trump's numbers by his supporters, which I am a very strong one, have not declined in the least over the past three years. In fact, they have surged. And as far as um, the uh, – we cannot forget President Trump has already had both feet in that swamp. He knows what needs to be done. He will hit the ground running, and hopefully he will uh, get rid of those individuals starting with the Fascist Bureau of Intimidation, and start doing a thorough job of cleaning house. Have you looked at all of this Vivek Ramaswamy candidate? Have you looked at him at all? Yes, and I don't, I don't think he has any... I think he's got the least potential out of every one of the Republican candidates. Not because he's not qualified, and not because he doesn't have uh, good stands, but I just don't think he has the recognition, and I don't think the, the bulk of the American people will support him. Okay. Jacqueline, thank you for the call. Very clear analysis from Jacqueline. James Golden, AK Sterling, take a break. Coming back, more of your calls are coming up. If you're on hold, stay on hold. We're going to get to as many calls as humanly possible. Don't go away. Oh, this one. Yeah, guess what? Today, 1967. This record, this classic, entered the charts over in the UK for the first time. Today's the day it went on the charts. Became a number one hit. It has become the most number one played song in the past 75 years in public. This is like, you know, the pubs, the bars, and all that. This song, more than any other song, gets played. Whiter Shade of Pale, WABC, don't go away. Coming back, more of your calls coming up. Known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. You know, also today's birthday is Hal David, the American genius songwriter, pianist, arranger, who with Burt Bacharach wrote a lot of classics. Close to You, 24 Hours from Tulsa, Make It Easy on Yourself, Magic Moments, I Say a Little Prayer for You. Won two Oscars, the film score to Butch Cassidy, Sundance Kid. Raindrops keep falling on my head. He died back in uh, 2012 at age 91, but Hal David is one of the American iconic 
songwriters. Well, why aren't you playing one of these? Because I needed to hear some funk. We've been playing all this kind of like, you know. Like, Let's go, Bo. Let's go. You know, you got to bring the funk. Okay? Got to dance. Got to move. So we decided to just jam it out with some Ohio players. And fire. Sugar and the people over the Ohio players. Push. Yes. Let's head back to the telephones. Terry in Farmingdale, thank you for waiting. How are you, Terry? Hey, Bo, how are you? How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. Was, uh, good. Why did the sheep leave the last three Star Wars movies? Oh, because they couldn't freaking stand them. Who could? They were bad. <laughs> okay, they were horrible. But today's yeah. the 40th anniversary of the uh the 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 return of the jedi okay and okay trivia question the return of the jedi was not the original title for that movie do you know what it was uh no i don't it was originally going to be called the revenge of the jedi but they took out revenge oh no no we can't have a jedi wanting revenge so they changed the movie did you go see Return of the Jedi back then? Uh, yeah, you know, because that revenge does sound hostile. So I, I could see why they would do that. Yeah. Well, hey, man, good to hear from you. Appreciate it because they were bad. Yes, indeed, they were. Robert in Brooklyn, New York. How are you, Robert? Thank you for waiting. Hi, thank you for taking my call. And I applaud you for all the work you do with Russia over the years, so. Thank you. But um, I, have to, I have to disagree with you about a couple of points. The first one is the horrible persecution of the January 6th protesters like Stuart Rhodes. And okay. the other is the establishment's uh, attempt to try to uh, steal the election with people like uh, DeSantis. Okay, you have to explain both, but do it quickly, okay? I don't know what I said that you could disagree with. I said I don't see how this guy gets 18 years when you have people roaming the streets, in some cases in these cities, or people like Antifa who've never been actually held to account for actual violence against other government offices, but this guy gets 18 years, I think is blatantly unfair given everything else that's going on in the judicial system. What do you object to with that? Okay, well, no, that part I agree. It's totally unfair, but I don't think he should have been sentenced to anything. Um, I think he's innocent until proven guilty. And I don't trust anything that came out of that venue in Washington, D.C. to get a fair trial. Well, he was proven guilty. Look, this is the system we have. Two-tiered justice system that he is, it is, he was proven guilty. And that's why he's sentenced. Now, I do think the sentence is unfair, as I said. Now, what do you mean with this DeSantis business? Please explain that. I mean, I think there's a lot of people in the establishment, like, you know, Jeb Bush, a lot of the billionaires and the tech business that are supporting him. And, and it just, it seems like he's the establishment candidate. Just, and the let only. Me just, I, I, no, let me say something. Okay, let me just take issue with you on that. The establishment cannot stand Ron DeSantis. Let's be really clear about that. They're already bad mouthing him, saying, oh, you shouldn't have stood up against Disney. Cooler hair is 
cooler heads needed to prevail. No, they're ticked at him for standing up against Disney. They're ticked at him for standing up against this wokeness. He is the one guy in office that brought this whole wokeness thing to a head. That is not an establishment move. I mean, if you want to criticize him based on policy, there are a lot of policy differences that you can do it on. But to say DeSantis is somehow establishment, I'm not I'm not feeling you on that one, Robert. I'm going to give you the last word, though. Go ahead. Well, I trust Trump more than his quote-unquote protege, DeSantis. So. Okay. No, no, I can – look, I can – I feel you on that. And, and there are people who – I'm a guy who loves both of these men. I love both of these guys. So believe me, I feel you on that. But I'm not going to just out here making charges against DeSantis because I, because I love Trump. I mean, I think we've got two great candidates here. Let's go to Jimmy on Long Island. Jimmy, thanks, Robert. Jimmy, how are you? What's going on, my man? I was glad to get through. Um my wife, I'll tell you last time, my wife loves your in-and-out music, and I always tell her I could hang with this guy. But my call is in comments, uh, your prior calls, almost identical. The problem I'm having as a Trump supporter, I'm a little bit pessimistic, I don't think he's going to be able to sway people who didn't vote for him in the past, whereas DeSantis might be able to bring in some moderate Dems or independents. So that's my fear. And if Trump winds up with the nomination, I think it's a no-brainer that he takes Tim Scott as the VP in line with what you said earlier. Tim Scott may be able to sway some voters that Trump didn't have before. That's my comment. Okay, let me tell you something. Tim's, Tim's I can't wait to talk to Tim Scott. And we're going to try to get Ron DeSantis on, too. And believe me, I want to ask about these things. Scott, if I forget, you're here every day with me. You ask we want to talk to Donald Trump about the debates that you brought up, and we want to talk to Ron DeSantis about this idea that he's an establishment guy. I think there's something to that, by the way. I don't, I'm not going to say Ron DeSantis is an establishment guy, but I do think the establishment is supporting him right now. I think there, there's more. That's not can't just be dismissed, in my opinion. More tomorrow. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you and your family and your loved ones. Love and gratitude for each and every one of you for being here. I so thank you. And we're back tomorrow for Bo Snurdy's Rush Hour. We're going into Memorial Day weekend. God willing, we'll all be here tomorrow. See you then. Bye.